I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GCE became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. If you don't want to be criticized, if you don't want to be questioned, if you don't want anyone um, um, talking badly about you, do nothing at all. Mm-hmm. That's the surefire way to do that. Well, if you want less of that, do what everyone expects of you. Go be a doctor or a lawyer. Go um, become an accountant. Mm-hmm. Like that's such a, it, there's no risk, you got it. Anything that carries any level of risk, aka failure, disappointment, is going to carry with it other people saying like, don't do it. Don't do it. Why are you doing this? We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing. Never stopping. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben? I'm doing good. Thanks, Patrick. Today we're going to talk to you. We're going to talk to you about a couple, a couple things. Oh, a couple people reached out to me separately with some questions that I felt like had some similarities enough that I wanted to kind of jam them together and see see what we can get out of it. The first person who reached out to me was a she was a 17 year old athlete, CrossFit athlete, takes it very seriously, wants to get to the games sometime in her 20s ish. Um, and one of her questions and the one that really stuck out to me was about people looking at her and questioning why she's dedicated to this thing that most people don't understand. Um, you know, I think the way she put it was, you know, how do I deal with people putting me in the crazy CrossFitter box? Mm. Right. And I think that that's an interesting question in and of itself because she's 17 and because that's always a tough time to feel like you're being singled out for something. And then, then not a few, a few days later, I got a message from a master's athlete asking roughly the same question. Both of these individuals are really happy with what they're doing. They're, they feel really passionate about it. They're excited about what they're doing, where they're going. But both are dealing with this question of people around them saying, I don't understand why you're dedicating any time to this, right. let alone the amount of time, let alone the passion that you're putting in. So I wanted to present that to you and just at, just as a place to start, like is what I'm responding to just this, this question of how do I deal with the judgment from other people who don't understand me? And what do you do with that feeling or those feelings when they, when they bubble up? Yeah. So I think that, um, anybody pursuing anything, whether it is uh, a sport athletic endeavor, whether you're trying to run run a sub two hour marathon mm-hmm. for, for some people, most of us trying to finish a marathon, um, whether you're trying to be, um, an incredibly successful artist, musician, um, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, particularly anything outside the standard path, right? Which is go to school, get the entry level job. If you're lucky enough, you skip a few steps and you come in middle management, climb yourself up the corporate ladder, anything other than that, the, the normal path that we've been told the way is the path to happiness and the 2.5 kids and the white picket fence is going to cause um, questions. 
from society, from your friends, from your family, from your parents, from your peers. So it's, we, we have to recognize that if we're not going to take the standard path, that has to be something that we're willing, and honestly, it can be fuel, that we're willing and um, excited about getting those type of comments, questions, um, concerns, um, that you are not doing it the right way. Because that's what people are, right. they're trying to be helpful. They're trying to say like, oh man, I just don't want her to be frustrated when she is um, 29 years old and she hasn't made it to the games and she still has no career and no family and she's going to be pushing a shopping cart, you know, around town, you know, trying to find a place to sleep on a park bench because she was a CrossFit athlete. Right. Like what we have to realize is that comes with the territory. If you don't want that, so there's. You know, this is like, it's a meme that's popped up and everyone's talked about this, but if you, um, I'm going to forget, maybe you remember who said this. If, if you, if you don't want to be criticized, if you don't want to be questioned, if you don't want anyone, um, um, talking badly about you do nothing at all. Mm -hmm. That's the surefire way to do that. Well, if you want less of that, do what everyone expects of you. Go be a doctor or a lawyer, go, um, become an accountant. Mm -hmm. Like that's such a, it, there's no risk. You got it. Anything that carries any level of risk, aka failure, disappointment, is going to carry with it other people saying like, don't do it. Mm -hmm. Don't do it. Why are you doing this? What we need to do, I believe, is, first off, there's nothing, I don't believe there's anything wrong with following your passions. I think that that is the greatest thing to do. In terms of the way I talk to young people now about what they should be pursuing, and I wish someone had done this, not that I regret my path, but I wish somebody had had this conversation, is, um, and we've mentioned this on this podcast before, but the, the three, um, concentric circles, Venn diagram, what is it? Where it's Venn diagram, Venn diagram, where there's overlap in the middle of the three. Imagine one is your passion, the thing you love doing, whether it's CrossFit or playing guitar or playing baseball, um, sketching, drawing, um, whatever it is, what is the thing that you love doing? Watching TV, video games. What is it? It doesn't matter. Then from there, the, the second, um, circle. The second bucket is, is there opportunity there? It, can you actually make a living there? It actually matters. So if you can't make a living with this, you have to survive. You need, there's the um, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Am I getting that right? Where it's like, you need enough money, actually like money. That's what money to have shelter, food, you know, be able to survive. And honestly, what they found is this study is from a long time ago, but it's about up to $70,000. After $70,000, that no longer matters. What matters then is hierarchical needs. Mm-hmm. How important are you? Do people recognize your talents? Is there meaning like there? Exactly. Yeah. Actually, that's an old report. And depending on where you live in the country, I think it's probably a little bit... I would, yeah, it, does, it's, it is location. That's that's an average across, across the entire country. So call so, it 85000 if you're in the Northeast, right? If you're in backwoods, Mississippi, maybe it's fifty-five. Um so from there, like you have your passion, you have your opportunity. Well, the third thing there is talent. Like, mm-hmm. are you good at this thing? Like it, it matters. So for this 17-year-old girl or this 57-year-old woman or whoever that is, um, probably not so much for the 57-year-old because they probably already established that. But for someone young starting off their career and call it 17, call it up to 24 or 25. We have young athletes in, in, in my affiliate that are chasing the games. 
and we have people questioning why they're doing this. Mm. They're 25, 26, 7 years old. They've never made it there. They're committing their lives to this. Training eight hours a day, working, you know, coaching one or two classes a day to try to like crack in to finally be a games athlete. And these people in their 40s, 50s, and 60s look at them, they're like, what the hell? They're wasting their lives. Why are they doing this? Well, first off, what's right for you isn't right for everybody. And while we're taking in this information from everybody else, what you don't want to do is push it all away and say, it's not for me. Mm. I And what you also don't want to do is go like, they told me to do this, I should do this. It's like anything else. If you're starting a business, starting your career, or taking... I think you should be an open book and try to garner as much information as you possibly can, put it through your own filter of what makes sense to you and what you're pursuing in your life, and then apply it where necessary. You know, the the saying was, you know, Henry Ford's, you know, if I listened to my, my right. customers, I would have built a faster horse. They don't know. And this is what, in terms of business, um, you know, in terms of like... Uh, um, the lean start in terms of the, like the, the, the new entrepreneur, I say new in terms of like the information yep. age, not like, you know, people are becoming cobblers back in the, the in 1900s, but people that are starting businesses now, there's a new way to do this, which is you create a minimal viable product, put out as little as you possibly can, get as much feedback as possible as you possibly can from customers, and then use that information. Not lit- What you don't want to do is do exactly what they say, because right. they don't know. They might not know what they want. The technology might not have been created yet. So here's how it relates to the, that individual. You do what you're doing, but at a minimal viable, like go and start... T- Let's test this thing out and then take in all the information that you can from yourself, from people that have been there before and done it, from people that haven't done it and say, you got to go the traditional path. Take all of that stuff in and then iterate and move it and shake it and twist it a little bit to go back. It's, um, you want the feedback, you want the criticism, you want the questioning, both because it can be useful for you. Somebody might actually have a really good valid point there. Use it for, for sure. But also because um, if they doubt you, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, and I said like my entrepreneurial <laughs> journey, um, I had, I'm, I'm lucky enough that my parents were so phenomenally supportive. Whatever I was doing when I was working in finance, supportive. When I Quit that to be a ski bum, supportive. When I left that to um, start in-home personal training, supportive. They told me later on that they were like, what the hell is this kid doing? Yeah. Um, But I didn't ever feel that way. I felt like they always supported me. Um, I felt felt the concern and the questions more from um, my parents-in-law, Heather's Mm. parents. And I can remember before we got married... um, because this was this was before CrossFit this New England. As we were starting, as you were starting CrossFit. Yeah, we we got um, I affiliated in 2007. We got our full time location in 2009. We were married in 2009. So basically, from 2007 to 2009, I'm this I'm this kid that is not successful. That is working so hard to basically bring home nothing. Mm-hmm. Like there is nothing to and show. Working for my at efforts. something that didn't make any sense at the time. No I sense mean, at it all. Makes less. Like it still doesn't make a ton of Cro- sense. To a lot nobody of yeah. in the world knew what CrossFit was. I get like there was a few thousand people, but in terms of like um, parents, yeah. like they had Perfect. no idea what the heck we were doing. Yeah. Why would you There's ever no ever do this? There. Well. I felt passionate about it. I felt real. I felt really 
strongly about what I was pursuing, mostly because, you know, we talked about those buckets. Um, the biggest one for me there is the passion one. If you love it, yeah. you know, this is Steve Jobs thing or it's a lot of people like do what you love, like what you love. And there will, if, if you truly love it and you're good at it for 90% of us, there's going to be an, there can be an economic return there. Now the, the one, like it, there is some that don't people are like, Oh, that always turns out right. Not like if you're the best ant farmer in the world, and you are like so passionate about it. I don't know if that's one you want to commit your life to right. because I it don't might, really know what's there. there. Now, there might be. Maybe I'm just ignorant to the world of ant farming, but ants, you know. <laughs> we haven't gotten yelled at by anybody from yeah, that example exactly. yet. Yeah, so yeah. let's assume that there isn't right. a viable career. So there there might be. I just think that there used, it, it's like, but I saw like, it, listen, if I, you know, I'm doing this personal trainer thing. Um, if I'm making 45 grand a year right now as a 30 year old kid, like I'm not, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But then I also saw that like, no, there are, um, professional strength and conditioning coaches for division one schools, professional teams that make hundreds of thousands of dollars. There was a path and they become a gym owner. Now you're talking about millions of dollars. Like it's like, it's, there's an opportunity there. So that's what I felt kind of like, I kind of hit those things. Not even. I, I'm just like more of the passion type person anyway. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would do. I would use the the, the feedback yeah. both as fuel because the doubters kind of can fuel, fuel you. You know, that's a big incentive for a lot of athletes. Um, and then also use it as feedback to kind of like iterate. What is the best and path? Learn. Yeah. The thing that, one of the things that makes me think about is something that you've talked about or we've talked about here. Maybe you, I know I've heard you talk about it elsewhere, but I'm reading, um, have you ever read Give and Take by Adam Grant? No, I love um, that. It, yeah, it's, it's, it came out. It was his first book, but um, one of the things uh, in the in the book is um, the relationship of motivation and talent, and that motivation always precedes talent. Whereas most people think mm. that it's that talent that that you need sort of a a, a level of talent, and then motivation you can kind of layer that mm. on top. But in fact, it always goes the other way or not always, but most of the time it goes the other way. And that's something that you've talked about before. I remember the, the story you tell about Potsy here. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's worth, uh, telling here. I don't know if we've ever done it, but, um, but I, but I do think that that notion of, um, passion first, like if you, if yeah. that has to be there yeah. because without that, you're never going to get to the, to well, the, to the next step. It, like forget about like even the next step being successful and all that stuff. Like, here's the way I look at this thing is like, um, the level, the, the playing field has been completely leveled in terms of the workforce now. Be- back in the day, like there was limited options for people coming out of college to get jobs. Like honestly, you were taking an entry level position in whatever industry you had studied. That's basically the deal. Or you went against the grain and became a ski bum. Like you're, you moved to California, SoCal, and you're a surfer. What there is now is like with the internet anybody can start up any business they want anywhere in the world. Like you want to be, um, a writer, like put up a website, said like ghost writers. I am, I, you can, I will write your book for you. Like and you're you're going right. You want to like, um, be a filmmaker, go on your iPhone, go make a film. 100%. Like you're, you're going, you're doing it. You want to be a trainer, like create a site and make it like, Pat, Pat Sherwood's or the level one, which is like, go get a broom and knock on your neighbor's all, door. <laughs> it's been completely leveled. Yeah. So, um, why would you not, this is, uh, um, Jim Carrey's quote, which his dad told him is like, um, you know, you could fail at something you don't love. Mm-hmm. So why would you not try <laughs> something you do? Right. 
right? Like, why would we not do something that we just love doing? And that's been always been my metric um, my whole life growing up. Um, and I jumped it because I followed everybody else. Yeah. I, I left it, you know, growing up, I was a ski instructor and a sailing instructor. And I was, um, I always did earn money with doing things I loved. And then when I graduated school, I took the quote unquote right. self safe route and went into finance. And I hated it. And I needed something like 9-11 to happen to shock me out of my uh, you know, community coma that I've been living in yeah. and say, no, this is not what you're supposed to do as a human being. Leave this thing and go follow a passion. And when I fall, and by the way, I would not have been successful there because I was not passionate about it. Yeah. When I decided to be do this, it was because it's the thing... I read about and researched on my free time. It's what I did for fun. Like, and I still do it. Now, talk about blurring the work line between work and play, which has been my metric for success always. If you don't know when you're working, you don't know when you're playing, like, dude, your life is enjoyable all the time. Now, I'm not saying happy and fun. I'm saying like fulfilled. Like you're doing something you feel purpose and passion behind. Yeah. Um, what one of the elements of these questions that that um we, we started this conversation with that I think is interesting and maybe worth pursuing, especially in this context of uh, your three buckets or the three, the consent, you know, of, of the ability to, to, to make a living at doing it. Mm-hmm. Where, like, where, how do you think about, like, what if this isn't something you make? Yeah. What if this is just a passion? A, you can yeah. call it a hobby. I think hobby maybe has a, a bit of a negative connotation to some degree, especially as it relates to passion. But there's no reason that this 17 year old can't, be incredibly passionate about this for the next three or four or five years and never make the games and it's okay. Right. And the 57 year old can never same, same position. Like there's no reason that necessarily I think. Yeah. And maybe that's the question. It's like, how do you balance knowing when this is a thing I'm doing because I want to make it a living. And this is the thing I'm doing because I can't, because when I sit down at night, this is what I think about doing. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's a great question to ask yourself, and I, I, I think it goes back to the um, um, Stephen Covey. Covey, we, we got to figure this yeah. one out. Stephen I go Covey, with Covey, but Covey. You, you, yeah. you be Ste- you. Yeah, Stephen Covey, um, which is begin with the end in mind. Yeah. So if you're gonna go through this, okay, but the end realize the end is not when you make the games or you retire as an athlete. The end is when you're on your deathbed and you're looking back on your life. What are the regrets you're going to have? And now is it going to be that, man, I really wish I had pursued that athletic career. I really wish I had spent five years riding the bus in the minor leagues of the baseball team. I really wish I had, um, you know, not um, started a family that I had uh, pursued that Olympic rowing career that I um, didn't give up on my CrossFit career that I really, is that something you're going to wish or is it the type of thing where you look back and no one's going to know the answer to this. You're just taking your very best guess, but the only way you're going to get there is by this is the power of like solitude and yeah. thinking and self-assessment and meditation is getting yourself to get out of the rat race and the next thing and the next thing and the next urgent thing and operate on a little bit of a higher level and actually detach yourself from where you are right now and actually think about what is going to matter to me when I am 88 years old yeah. and kicking it in the lazy boy trying to like look back on my life, what then am I going to want to have? And I'm not saying, uh, by the way, I'm not saying that spending 10 years chasing a CrossFit career is the right thing. Mm-hmm. That might not be the thing that you 
when you're 88 years looking back, you're like, you might go like, what the hell was I doing there? Mm-hmm. You know, um, for me, what I believed, cause I went full circle. Like I did the, the corporate thing. And then I went like PC at right. see later. I, when I moved to Wyoming yeah. to live as a ski bum. <laughs> but what I realized when I was the ski bum was like, this is not fulfillment for me. Right. So much fun in the moment, right? Like living good escape, great escape. Exactly. But an escape doesn't necessarily bring um, joy. Right. It might bring an adrenaline rush. It might be a, a dopamine response. It might give you that initial hormonal response that we we see as happiness, but it's not enlightened happiness that carries across weeks, months, years. You, what you do is you look for the next one. And you look for the next one, and we're describing an addict. Right. Right. What we need to do is what is going to give me ultimate long term fulfillment, and the only way you get that is with a lot of space separation from. The um, the noise and the buzz and the whistles and the distractions of everyday life and you separate yourself. So this would be my suggestion to the 17-year-old girl. The 57-year-old might already be there, right? Mm-hmm. In that case, just stop listening to the naysayers and do you. Right. Like that's a cool thing to do. You are operating at a higher level. You are doing what you should be doing. You're going to get hurt. You're going to – yeah. What are, you, what are these people saying to you that what are they doing? Now, if they are ultimately fulfilled and cr- incredibly happy, okay, let's – Let's listen to what they have to say. But if they are not there, what are we listening? It's like taking advice from somebody that's failed over and over and over again in relationships about how to have a great relationship. Like, why are we listening to that? Right. But for the 17-year-old, what we do is we need to create some space. And with that 17-year-old, hard to do at 17, yeah. You, right? Yeah, you know better than I, but because of, yeah. Holy crap. Maya and Jonah, yep. yep. But what we need to do is actually kind of create some space and think about what am I going to be looking back on when I am 88 and thinking, is this what I want to do? And what's going to happen, or this is my guess with that athlete, is they're going to go for the CrossFit thing. And that's, I think they should. That would be my guess. Because at that point, that is what is bringing them so much fulfillment and joy. Now, as they get older, what I hope is that they continue to question, ask themselves that question and have a re-evaluation as often as possible. Every year, they should be going like, what is it that I truly want out of this life? Mm -hmm. And at some point, that might switch from, you know, I don't know if this CrossFit thing is the thing. I I, I think I might want to start a career. I think I might want to start a family. I think I might want to start a business. I think I might want to track X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And it's okay for those things to change. One of the things that people um, have a a difficulty doing is allowing themselves the freedom to change. And I get why. It's because we've been told that grit Mm -hmm. and not quitting is the number one factor related with um, high achievers. They're right. They're absolutely right. But what we have to do is find the thing that you're ultimately passionate about and then don't quit. Find the thing that you actually have the opportunity to find those three concentric circles. Yeah. If you have grit in one of those things, like, yup, bust your freaking tail off, yeah. right? But if you're going grit towards one of those things that doesn't fit, you're the hardest freaking worker and you're not going to quit, but you are so miserable in your job. Yeah. I don't think that's leading to fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. That makes me think of there's, there's a term called ego threat and it's, it's a factor in, um, you know, the sunk cost fallacy, right? It's just this notion of continuing to throw bad, you know, good money after bad money. And ego threat is a really big part of that in, and, and what ego threat is, is just this voice in our head that says we can't change because if we change, mm. then it means we were wrong to start. Mm. And that's a really hard thing to admit, but 
but it's incredibly important. Like, you know, in, in the business world, it's called pivoting, right? Sometimes if you don't pivot, Some you die. Costs. Right. Yeah. Um, and it goes- actually, I would say that if you don't pivot, you do die. Every single business that has not pivoted is ceases to exist. So if yeah, you were right, like if you were, um, you know, way back when, if you were like a cobbler, the shoemaker, like if you didn't Second pivot, cobbler re- yeah, right, I know, I, I'm, I'm on it. Do you right? need more shoes? Like, to like, <laughs> if you were, um, right. Like if you were, were, think of like the fortune 500, the biggest businesses in the world, like, like, I don't know. I have the numbers in front of me, but I would wager to bet that the majority of those, you know, 250 plus of those, um, have are different than they were 20 years ago. That's just 20 years. So think about in 50 years, in 100 years, in 200 years, if you don't pivot, if you don't change, you die. Um, Twitter, I believe, started as a podcast app before there were any podcasts for people to so listen to. Another somebody. reason for that minimal vial product, right? Yeah. Put it out. Put out the feelers. Get the feelers. Get the feedback. You've really got to listen on to the that fly. feedback. You've got to figure out how to filter feedback. But the, yes. the feedback is important because otherwise you won't you won't pick your head up and say, okay, am I headed to the right direction? Do I need to shift at all? Um, wrapping the conversation up a little bit, maybe a little bit closer to the, to the questions at hand. What, how do, how would you advise the 17 year old or the 57 year old or anybody in between who's in this position where they're passionate about something that most people don't understand? How do you, how would you advise them to communicate with those people? And some people you just, you cast yeah. aside, they don't count, but the 17 year old, probably has to answer to her parents. The 57 year old may have to answer to a significant other or somebody else whose opinion matters, whose live lives are affected in some way by the pursuit of these passions. How do you start to communicate in a way that, because the thing I think is easy to happen is you get really defensive. You don't understand me and I, I can't. And this, this is, this isn't me. This is you. You've got to let me all that. So how do you start to like, step back and, yeah. and be able to articulate some of the things we talked about, but also how, just how do you articulate passion in the face of doubt? I would, I would use the same, um, tactics, mm-hmm. um, that I would use for any, um, potentially potential conflict, mm-hmm. right? Someone's coming at you and saying like, yep. what are you doing? Yep. Like, this is not like dot, dot, dot is tactful conflict resolution, yeah. which is, when someone like what you want to do in any of those situations. So, um, parent is coming to the 17 year old and they're going like, you have got to give this thing up. This is unsafe. This is your throwing away your life. You need to start a career. Like, what are you doing? And it's teenager being a teenager goes like, mom, you don't understand. Like, you don't understand. I love this. Like, why won't you like, why can't I do what I want? Like, now it's the parent going like, no, it's and they're, the divide's getting bigger. Right. What we need to do is, make the counterpart feel like we're on this, their side and we're trying to find a solution together. So it's, it's literally, I mean, it's a step-by-step process. The first thing you do is you distrust what you said, which is perfect is you get defensive. Mm-hmm. You have to, cause you're being attacked. It's your homeowner response or fight or flight. You're being attacked. You want to either run away or fight the person. You got to, you got to recognize those hormones are going to pop up and you got to push them back down. And what you need to do instead is listen. And that's not just, um, that's just listening with your ears. Listening it, is not just not talking. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's definitely not just waiting for your turn yeah. to talk and w- formulating your response. That's the worst thing you can do. What you want to do is literally like listen to everything they're saying. Don't formulate a response. In fact, this is going to be really powerful for you. If you don't formulate a response, but you actually just listen when they're done, you won't have anything to say because 
But then in that gap, mm-hmm. in that three second, 10 second, where there's literally, they're done. And they, they go, do you understand what I'm saying, Julie? Like, I don't know why I call her Julie. Like, Julie, why, why you cannot do this? You need to dot, dot, dot. If you go, mom, like right away, it's like, I wasn't listening. Yep. If you said you take the gap and you go, okay, I hear what you're saying. Yes, I get it. And you repeat back to them. It's called mirroring. You re- actually repeat back. And it's really powerful. You repeat back almost in the same words, the last three or four um, wor- words that they said. You think I'm throwing away my life. Like, I get it. Um, and that's also valuable because that might not actually be what they're saying, but that's what you're hearing. So yes. there's a good way. That's a good method it, of. It uh, seems like yeah, what you're exactly. saying. We don't want to say is I'm hearing. Right. We say I'm hearing. Now it's me. Mm-hmm. And now it's you over there. And it's like, okay. Um, so actually, I, I would do even something before that is when you go pause, pause. Thanks, mom. Yep. Thanks, mom. Um, I get it. It seems like you um, dot, 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 and fill in what they said. So now, like, is this right? Is what I'm hearing correct? You're throwing it back at them. And if they're like, no, it's like, okay, no harm, no foul. It just said it seemed like that's what you're saying. Now we get on the same page. Oh, it's not? Okay, what What would you like? So it's really simple. It's um, distrust, your natural gut instinct, step one. Don't defend. Step two, listen sincerely, completely, um, aggressively, if you want to call it that. Step three. Thank you. Step four, um, get on the same page and make sure, and we ask them for, it seems like you think I'm throwing away life. What would you suggest I do? What do you think I should be doing? And let them give advice. And what people want more than anything else, what they want is not for the vote to go their way. They want the uh, opportunity to vote. Mm. They want to be heard. They want to make sure this literally what they want. If you're in a boardroom, and you have your passionate plea for something for the way the company's going to go, and you are able to state it emphatically with all your PowerPoint presentations, and you get everything that you could possibly think off your chest, and they go a different direction, you probably don't feel that bad about it. Mm-hmm. What you do feel bad about is if you don't get any opportunity to say any of that, and they go a different direction, you're like, ah, oh, like, no. Let them know that you hear and understand them. And then from there... Now you have another data point for you to make your own decision through your own filters. Don't necessarily just listen to mom and dad. Don't just necessarily listen to peers or opinions, but don't necessarily discard them either because it's mom or dad Mm -hmm. or because they're peers or because they're teachers. Take everything in, put it through your own filter mechanism and then use it to guide your life with the way you see it working out for you best. Fantastic. I think that is a good place to leave it. Thank you to those individuals who sent me those questions. Thank you, Ben. We'll be back next week with another three by three. See you. You can get every episode of Chasing Excellence wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Until next time, thank you for listening.